ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Wordness of the Nerdness podcast, the show where nerdy guys talk about the history of games, movies, TV, and everything else in the nerdy universe today. You can currently find our podcast on podcast services worldwide and on YouTube now. Um, Mm-mm. Yep, that's about as much as I, I got off the top yeah, of my head. Spotify, Google. <laughs> Google, Spotify, all that stuff. Yeah, all um, <laughs> but after that, do I just introduce everybody? Yeah, I think so. You just go Is that how I do it? Well, I'm Nathan Grote, and then I'm also joined by the head Cauliflower Association leader, Sean Mahoney. Ciao, boy. It's my peach tea. We got we got Mr. Uh, broken cameras, but we still out here making it work. Curtis Potter. What's happening? <laughs> What's up? And we are actually joined by. Um, hmm, is it like Miyamoto or who? Me who time. we got? We Man, got. If you, if you if you played Wii Sports, you know who this is. We are joined yeah, that, by the Wii Sports. That's the Pablo Sanchez of uh, Wii Sports. I apologize for you guys that are purely audio, but if you uh, if you happen to check it out on YouTube, hey, man, we had everyone Sam there remembers showing us some greatness. Is, bro. Y'all y'all didn't play Wii Sports, obviously. Hell no. I well, don't right above me, we got Mister One Samuel Benny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait for the people. So what y'all drinking? I, uh, I forgot my water, so I got an empty cup. Oh, tasty, tasty. Water. Air. Delicious. Yes. Sitting down for a podcast, no water. This guy's out of control. I had I the uh, last of my bourbon. I was like, you know what? Might as well pull it up. What kind Might of bourbon? Well it. <laughs> it's uh, the Buffalo Trace. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm. Good choice. Was the last man. of it, so I decided. You know what? Might Good as might as well. Win in win in Rome. You know what I'm saying? You gotta get these. <laughs> gotta get these. Uh, <laughs> these skibbity paps. Hey, you know. Sometimes you just just gotta drink it. Is uh, is our our good friend, uh, from out in Washington, uh, who is well, actually, I don't I don't think we can announce that yet because he hasn't agreed to it yet. <laughs> But <laughs> unbeknownst to him, he was unbeknownst to him, story. as a guest star well, to the show, he listens to this too. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think he's saving it all up for the for the for the trip back. But uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, what I'm talking. About. I'm not going to say the name just yet because I don't know if he uh, wants to rhymes with <laughs> rhymes with um uh Renser Rumpf. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Right. Uh, no, he's out in Oktoberfest <laughs> right now. I was so jealous. Yeah. I was looking at all. I'm like, dang. Yeah, that looked fun. Yeah, out, they're out here drinking German beers. I'm out here drinking a glass of air. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is my life. Well, before we get off track, because I still want to bullshit a little bit, but uh, today's episode is going to be dive into the deep, deep history of one of uh, America's greatest games. Of know, all time. Of all time. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons is what I hear. <laughs> How it was originally 
<laughs> originally pronounced. I had, one, I had one of those this weekend. <laughs> Did you? Shit. Just one? Yeah. How does one, one just have one, one crab rangoon? The, the this guy. The meal came with just one. It was weird. <laughs> That's was disrespectful. Self control. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. However many they gave me would have been eaten. I went. There's this buffet that we used to frequent in high school, and uh, like every time, like I'd always do like the like original like same thing. Like I'd get like some soup. I get a couple rangoons. I get an uh, an egg roll. You know, I get the fried stuff first, and then. Um, I would get like some of the dishes that they had there, and then on my third trip up, I would go and make like the stir fry, like a Mongolian barbecue, and they cook it up for you. Oh man! I had one friend. I had one friend literally would go there and wouldn't eat anything else but crab rangoon. So he got two full mountain plates of crab rangoons (laughs) every time we went. Like they would have to like like I swear to God, like you hit like get like a whole tray. Like that they put out there. It's like, oh, here the freshens are out. You like take the whole damn thing with them, oh, basically. That's so many <laughs> carbs. Yeah, for real, it's like ten thousand calories. <laughs> but yeah, but carbs only existed in t- like recently. Yeah, I don't think no, carbs were here. Thing. You know, prior to you know, like ten years ago, that's yeah, unheard yeah. of. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Samuel, how are you doing up there? I'm tired, man. Life's rough. Tired. I, I played Tired. like three hours of Smash and got nowhere up in the rankings. I like plummeted and straight up lost like 15 out of 16 games. Oof. And then I came back and won that many games and ended up like Yay. exactly where I started. And I feel like I gained and lost nothing. And it's, I feel empty now instead. <laughs> I feel like I'd rather just be upset, but now I just feel emptiness inside. That's how well, you, what you need to do is turn that frown upside down because tonight we we have one of the greatest podcasts of all time. It's your boy going in. I gotta read five pages, so put your seatbelt on. Even Ye said, "Like, yo, I heard y'all have a good podcast, but this D and D podcast is the greatest podcast of all time." Yo, I'm going to let you finish with the introduction, but Sean had the greatest podcast of all time. I think he's not telling the truth. <laughs> so what do you say? We just jump into it? We just jump into it. We're just going, sorry, I was getting, uh, checking out the phone. I was, I was being disrespectful. He had Japan's greatest podcast of all time. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one needs to know about my constant depression, you know. Oh, it's 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 all constant. Mike's <laughs> cutting out. Oh no! <laughs> what was that? It's like that. It's like that. Uh, that SpongeBob mean. It's a. Uh, it's like, hey, I'm depressed, and I really want to talk about it. I, I'm about to get out of here. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> uh, shit. Now I look like Daredevil. Oh, shit. Distracting. Uh, Start. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. You may have heard of this game before. Know someone who's played it or has seen it on TV or heard Critical Role or The Adventure Zone or hell, maybe even you played it yourself. But what exactly is this game? Yeah. And where did it come from? Uh, from its early inception to becoming one of the most popular games on the planet, D&D has a long and rich history. It is interesting to explore the development of this tabletop RPG from both a gameplay standpoint as well as a public reception standpoint. 
So sit tight, grab a snack and a drink, which you guys already did. And right. Let's get rolling. You know, you like that? The I got that. Hey, because because you you roll the dice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With it. Anyway. So, um, wait, wait, before before you continue to go though, I want to just do a little plug, uh, another plug for you. Those of you listen to this, which a majority of uh, of those in the Discord do, uh, this Dungeons and Dragons, we need to get this this fire started again. You I know, know we get I a have, like, light a blurb at the end about. Oh it. shit! So I just I just all right. Post post post. No no no, you're good. No, that, that's like a little teaser, you know. Like now it's a little teaser. Yeah. Yeah. Now they have to listen to the end. And that's true. That's true. Not in the Discord. Reach out to us at Wordness to the Nerdness. You know, on Twitter, look for us. Oh, I always plug this. I always plug uh, this at the end, but like maybe I need to plug uh, this earlier in uh, the show notes. Uh, uh, go down. There is a link to our Discord. It goes to Group Two. That is not a typo. That is our group. So if you are interested in just hanging out with us, chopping up with us, uh, getting to know us a little bit. We do a bunch of everything, so hop on in. Yeah. Come say hi. But make sure. sure you tell tell us that you came from listening to the podcast. Yeah. Or if you so. want, you can come in and become the first person kicked this year. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had to do it for you. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, so few games conjure up the image of its player base more vividly than Dungeons & Dragons. I mean... As soon as you say it, you kind of know what to expect of the players. Um, for me, it just instantly transports me to a sweaty, like dingy basement with aggressively nerdy yeah. middle-aged men arguing mm-hmm. about rules and mm-hmm. wiping Cheeto cups from their scraggly beards. <laughs> you know, What's that kind of my image? Scraggly beard? And, uh, yeah. and it's, it's got too much years, Cheeto D&D dust. Was exactly that. Uh, you may have heard of the father of this tabletop RPG, Gary Gygax, being the sole genius and creator of this game. But the tale is not that simple. There's a lot of controversy and bad blood surrounding the origin story of D&D. But Gary Gygax was a dick, wasn't he? Still embittered. Uh, rest in peace, all of them, really, about it to this day. They're all um, dead? Two of the major key players are dead, actually. Damn. Yep. Um, so, yeah. This all began back in the 1960s with tabletop wargaming being the obsession for a group of guys in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin leader of this group was none other than gary gygax himself and he is that his actual last name i don't know if i've ever met anyone named gygax that man was Was born great D. &D. (laughs) it's like simba that's crazy Um, yeah so him and his group of friends uh they he hosted at his house realistic historic recreations of battles like stalingrad or gettysburg um in his parents' oh, basement, surprisingly. <laughs> As oh, him and a group boy. of his friends played a game called Africa Cores together. This game was similar to Risk, but uh, it had miniatures representing groups of soldiers. But things like bullet spread and movement were measured with literal rulers on the tabletop surface. So oh, dang. you can imagine how tedious that kind of game is. Although uh, there are several major... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to... Like, I'm looking at this like... Did these happen to say on like this this early time in the sixties when we're playing this, uh, how long these games would last? Uh, weeks, weeks and months. Like, Jesus, the sessions were like Jeez. four to five hours each, and it would take weeks and weeks and months. God like, dang, these battles like this was intense. Um, 
So yeah, there there were several major key people involved in this development of D&D. Uh, the main ones that I'm going to focus on, just for the sake of simplicity, because there's like six trillion names to go with, are Gary Gygax, Rob Kuntz, and Dave Arneson. It might be Kuntz, but I'm just going to say Kuntz because it's funny. Rob Kuntz. <laughs> Kuntz, with a K. Um, yeah, so Gary Gygax is hosting these crazy detailed war games, which catches the attention of a nearby neighbor of his, Rob Kuntz. Kuntz was a 13-year-old foster kid living alone, literally alone, at the time in Wisconsin, since his father wasn't in the picture and his mother was institutionalized. Anyway, Holy shit. Kuntz is flipping through a Playboy at age 13, <laughs> which is savage. And he comes across an ad for a board game, which sparks his imagination, thus leading him to become obsessed with Africa chords. Kuntz quickly devotes himself to learning the rules so that he can join in the games that Gygax has been hosting. Gygax, who was 30 at the time, gladly accepted Kuntz and was essentially adopted. He essentially adopted him and his wife, Mary Jo. Um, I'm like imagining, like, could you imagine if they're like lawyers? Like, like uh, come here, Gygax and Kuntz, <laughs> attorneys at law. <laughs> Names are literally just meant for this. Yeah, so the two of them quickly form like a student-teacher bond with Gygax like taking Kuntz under his wing. And he would read him manuscripts, take him through the games, show him the historic like battle recreations and blah, blah, blah. So they quickly became attached. And again, they basically adopted him uh, throughout his time as a 13-year-old, which is crazy. It's actually pretty cool, though. Like with the yeah. scenario that you put out there, being like 13 and alone, and then this up for them and them being there, that's actually pretty awesome. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's what was really cool for me. Like, he reached out and, like, kind of took this kid in, you know, that's and wild. showed him the game and brought him in with all this. But there was another major player in this story, and he's on the horizon here. It's Dave Arneson. Arneson was attending the University of Minnesota at the time and was part of a gaming group in the Twin Cities area. Arneson hosted this group of gamers as well in his parents' basement, which, shocker, and they played similar games to Africa Cores. However, his gaming group was more interested in developing their own rule sets on top of the existing war game frameworks. Hmm. And the group often rigorously playtested each other's ideas. So imagine this like, you know, they're just riffing off of things like, okay, you design a game this week and we'll play it and test it. And then we'll give you feedback and then we'll come up with another one and, you know, going through those kinds of iterations. So similar to like playing beer pong at other people's houses, there's always house mm -hmm. rules that differ from house to house. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. like that. Um, so one of these um, iterations went down. Uh, ja -ja -ja. Yeah. So Arneson's group created a game called Bronstein where there were several major pillars established in this version of the game that actually continue to echo into modern gaming today, even uh, the fifth edition of D&D that's out now. One of the rules being that a referee is required for the entire game. And then mm -hmm. instead of playing as just general armies, which when you play these war games, like one soldier represents 20 people and they're all nameless. Yeah. This game, Bronstein introduced players that you would assume control of as an individual. Um, this quickly became the Twin Cities group most beloved game, and uh, the players were deeply engrossed in the character's fate. Eventually, this mod of Bronstein was so popular among the group, it became its own standalone game called Blackmore, 
which was created by none other than Arnson himself. Um, he created systems for handling everything that could happen within the game via dice rolls. So no matter what the player was trying to accomplish, um, they could, which was a huge like advancement in this game because usually there's like a standard set of rules and you can only do certain moves. But now it was like more role playing that they're trying to get into here. So yeah. they opened it up to like people's creativity, pretty much. Exactly. So you know, anything can happen. More and more listening right. to this, it it sounds like just similar to what we see with video games. Like a bunch of these video games were mods. Like before Dota and League of Legends, that was a mod on well, like was it Warcraft? Warcraft, or, yeah. And then uh now like we get we get these mods, auto chests and everything that came, you know, from this. It's it just seems like yeah, like a modern mod. Yeah. Like everyone's always like modding these games, and even a like battle royale kind yeah, was a PUBG, exactly. and it's just yeah. That's exactly what this is. Like this is the like old school version of exactly that. Yeah. So picture cool. it. In one corner, you have Gygax, who's they're playing like strictly by the rules. Like they're trying to you know really take it detailed and make like strict you know, game rules and uh, frameworks to work in. While mm -hmm. on the other end is Arneson, and he's trying to get into more like bending the rules kind of role-playing style game. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit, where eventually Gygax and Arneson meet at the second annual Gen Con in 1969. Which is, nice. what's that? Yeah. What's Gen Con? Uh, Gen Con uh, stands for Geneva Convention, but it's like a it's like a tabletop RPG kind of oh, okay. convention, which actually Gygax had actually hosted the first year ever the prior year in 1968. Oh, okay. So he kind of established this, you know, RPG convention that people could go to, which it's still even popular to today. Okay. Um, there was actually the second one, there was 187 attendees, Today, there are 60,000 attendees. Dang. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, so, Jesus. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Explosion. That is insane. Yeah. So these two met at Gen Con, and of course, with 187 people there, they got to talking, and uh, they were discussing all the types of games and rule sets and innovations that they come up with together within their own communities, and had left the convention with Gygax and Arneson expressing that they would like to collaborate with one another to create some new game rules. Together, they formed the Castle and Crusade Society, which was dedicated to medieval wargaming, in which Kunz <laughs> was also invited <laughs> into. <sighs> so I fast forward a little bit. This whole time. Just... <laughs> I know. I'm going to keep calling him <laughs> Kunz. Just... I know. It's even better. <laughs> <sighs> I so... brought the big drink. Oh, snap. Ooh. He's thirsty. He's got the big thirst. Um, yeah, so anyway, fast-forwarding a little bit, Gygax loses his job as an underwriter for an insurance company and begins to really focus on developing rule sets and games, um, eventually birthing his own game called Chainmail. This was a war game set in medieval times, and players used swords, maces, and uh, medieval weaponry while using dice rolls and condition-based modifiers to resolve combat, which... You can see where that's going, like later in the yeah. future. <laughs> However, can I make later. an observation real quick? Yeah. Okay, so from the games that you've mentioned that have been coming out, Africa Core starts with an A, 
And then you have Arneson's, which is Blackmore, starts with a B. Then you talk mm-hmm. about this Castle and Crusaders, start with a C. <laughs> Going into D&D. I wouldn't... It's crazy, right? <laughs> what are the chances? Wait, what? A, B, C, D. What the fuck? <laughs> that is weird. Wait, that's actually insane. What the fuck? So the, so the sequel to... Dungeons and Dragons is going to start with an E one of these days when it comes out. Elephants and <laughs> elephants and egg rolls. So, so did did Google low key rip off Dungeons? You know all this for their uh, Android OS name? It oh, must have. Shit. Using the letters. Have, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay, um, sorry. Yeah, so I'm not going to bore you with the details, but Gygax pulled a lot of um, fantasy elements into the chainmail rule set, uh, like. From Lord of the Rings, Conan the Barbarian, those kinds of fantasy sources, which was like unheard of for gaming at the time. So that's where you can see kind of the modern, like in the modern day, those influences in the game. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What it is now. So in 1971, the new version of Chainmail made its way to Arneson and his group. So the game that Gygax made is now heading its way to Arneson, and he finally gets a copy of it. And they play a month straight before he adopts it into his own Blackmore games. And he kind of puts his own spin on it. Um, It kind of was a perfect marriage of the two. So Gygax always has like these strict structured rules for how things need to get done. And Arneson is on the other end with the role playing kind of more flexible system. So they combine the two in his black and artisan's blackmore games and this is kind of the first seed of dungeons and dragons um which he he loved it and they brought it to gygax's house in 1972 and and they they played the first version of dungeons and dragons so we go to 1973 a year later and the two of them collaborate together on early drafts of dungeons and dragons at the same time, Gygax forms a partnership with a man named Don Kay to create a company called Tactical Studies Rules, or TSR for short. Gygax appoints himself editor and co-founder of TSR, as well as making Arneson creative director, and Kunz was the chairman. Um, TSR helps produce and publish the first iteration of Dungeons and Dragons in 1974. And this is crazy. So. The so on this right now, you have uh, Kunt, who was 13 at the time in, in 1960 when it first started off. So this would mm-hmm. put him at like 27, Gygax yep. at like 44, and oh, uh, dang. Like a lot yeah. of times passed you know, between like all this stuff happening, but that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's been in the like... making a while. <laughs> yeah. Long, long, long and time. it's still changing, man. That's the craziest part. Oh, yeah. Huh. So... 1974, they published the game, the first, like, uh, production of it. The first production run of 1,000 units sells out in 11 months. 11 months is also the time it took for Arneson to leave the company after he was demoted from creative director to just a research director. Gygax, Kunz, and Arneson appeared to have had an argument about relocating company headquarters to capitalize on local talents. And Gygax bolted from his seat and screamed oh, at the top of his lungs in Kunt's face during a board meeting. After that board meeting, Kunt's asked to be moved to the design department, and his request was returned to him the next day with a giant red no inked on it. 
Um, Sounds so like Gygax is kind of Gygax. a yeah, he was going fucking hothead. Good times. Damn. But like, but the thing crazy. is, I'm assuming that like a game like this selling, and I don't know how much like a, a tabletop of Dungeons Dragons would be, but I'm assuming it was still like a decently priced item. Like it would just be a game that people would have. Like maybe Monopoly bought back in the day would cost. I don't know, ten bucks at the time, fifteen bucks at the time in nineteen seventy. So maybe Dungeons and Dragons cost twenty five, but they only sell a mm-hmm. thousand units in a year. That seems crazy. Yeah. Well, they, this was like a very small production company. Like these yeah, were hand paid, literally hand. Oh yeah. So they're hand typing this on typewriters, and they sold a oh, thousand shit. units of. This. Oh, like okay. They, well, then that changes it. That's crazy. Sold out. So yeah, it's it was crazy back then. Um, that's how small they were starting out. But as you can see from some of the, the hints here that Gygax was getting a little bit out of control and becoming a little bit authoritarian about it. So mm-hmm. um, he, Gygax really wanted to push selling these units as well as including dice in the game. So that was kind of a contentious point because they did, like uh, Arneson didn't really want to capitalize too much on the game he wanted to be about fun and Gygax saw this as like a business opportunity so they kind of had a difference of opinion i could see both sides there's a middle ground it's it's like wozniak and steve jobs Mm -hmm. like that that's kind of what we're at yeah so anyway in 1975 tsr the company that Gygax and k had uh established dissolves and forms a new company tsr hobbies incorporated to protect both partners legally at the same time, the second production run of 1,000 units sells out in under six months now. And then the third run of 2,000 units sells out before the year is even over. So this game is getting red hot, and can, and it's gaining traction in the public eye. Yeah. New supplements and content are being released like hotcakes, and all of it is getting gobbled up by the public. In 1976, a production run of 5,000 copies sells out, and even more supplements are released as well. So after this 1975 explosion, this is where things kind of get a little bit confusing. So in 1977, D&D is split into two versions, D&D Basic and D&D Advanced. The Basic set is exactly what it says. Uh, it's a basic version that's kind of meant to introduce players and kind of provides everything they need to play in a simplistic uh, manner, while the Advanced version is meant for more experienced players. Um, and it had a bunch of, like, uh, hardcover releases on it for like the monster manual uh, mm-hmm. i'll get into that in a second but the reason why this was done there was a separate ulterior motive gygax went on to claim that since advanced dungeons and dragons was a completely different game arneson was no longer entitled to royalties for the dungeons and dragons name. dang so that's greasy kind of that yeah, is savage so he, dissolves, <laughs> he dissolves the company forms a new one and then changes the name of the game and cuts Arneson out of the pie completely. Um, this led to a messy lawsuit where eventually Arneson and TSR, which was run by Gygax, settled out of court. But uh, yeah, he no longer had uh, entitlements to royalties. That's uh, pretty yeah, shady. That's nuts. This marked the of the two's partnership in creating games together. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, controversy yeah. there on who did what. That is, yeah. I mean, I feel like stuff like this always happens with like things like this. Like, just don't be a dick. 
Yeah. Something crazy. I'm looking. Nolan Bushnell. Yeah. Kind of reminds me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it's wild. Well, even with that, like the way, I could see, like I I understand with anything. I mean, and, and let's just be honest, like, even like this, even though we enjoy doing this and we have fun and something we want to do, eventually we're hoping that some of this hard work's going to pay off a little bit, you know, even if it's just a, a, a little bit here and there, you know, kind of like this income. Like, no one, most people don't want to work for free, but right. they do want, they, they, they will not worry about the pay as much if they love what they do. So... I get where guy guys exactly. coming from, like trying to make money on this, but like, damn, like just from some of those disagreements, like, did he like fuck his wife or something? Like, God, like this. God. Like, yeah. Imagine, imagine you're in a board meeting and someone jumps out of their chair and runs up in your face and starts screaming. Like, I, I can't imagine. At the same Psycho. time, like I feel like the creators of D and D, like it, it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, this is fitting. Um, so anyway, after that, in uh, 1978, the advanced version sees its second major entry, the Player's Handbook, and then in 79, the final piece of the Holy Trinity, the Dungeon Master's Guide. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Sorry. Right? <laughs> uh, continue. Continue yeah, on. Yeah, so they had a way of... Um, they had a way of kind of monetizing this game with the three uh, Holy Trinity entries, the Player's Handbook, <laughs> the Monster Guide, and the Dungeon Master Guide. So this was kind of the new monetizing scheme. Uh, demand was so high for all of these D&D materials that even the basic set was running out of dice to send. So they had to send handboard, uh, cardboard chit sheets instead. So how, do you, how do you run out of dice? That's how like crazy the demand was for this. Jesus, game. they couldn't even get Dyson enough times. But this isn't. Yeah. But this is like seventy nine, seventy eight. Because yeah, I'm trying to think. This is. So when do the Stranger Things kids start playing? Well, that takes place in the eighties. But more yeah, importantly, yeah, I'm trying to remember as this game's blowing up. Um, I want to say eighty one. Let's wait till we get there. I'm I'm curious to see where this goes. Um. Uh, and if it correlates at all with the, um, like the video game, uh, like collapse or whatever. And I, but I, I want to say it was like eighty and eighty one, but it might have been eighty one, eighty two. But I'm curious yeah. to see where this all this all plays out. Yeah. So as of 1980, around 250,000 units of D&D products had been sold. So like from the inception to 1980, 250,000 D&D products sold. But in 1980, the basic set alone was selling 12,000 per month. So you can. But Arneson was still getting. But Arneson was still getting royalties on the basic. No, or is it no, it not at all at this point? Yeah, completely. No, it, okay. Totally, okay. He's totally cut out from both. Okay. Um, so the game continues to grow at such a rapid pace that they even established a UK branch of TSR to meet demand there. Uh, yeah. In 1982, we get our first instance of a video game version of DMD from TSR with their release of Dungeon for the Apple II computer. Uh, so maybe that kind of ties into what you're saying. Really. So from what I'm seeing here, when um, there was a video game collapse and people weren't interested, uh, D&D would have been booming during that time. 
I wonder yeah. if that has anything to do with it. Because the thing is, like Dungeons and Dragons, and the reason why it's still played today is because it's all about what you can imagine, whatever story you can put about, and what the people feel like when they're playing it. Whereas, as fun as video games are, but they were still evolving at the time, um, it was it was running into a situation where they were looking at the money in it and trying to capitalize it as much as possible. And so a lot of games, like sequels to the games, were basically the same thing but recolored. And then right. maybe like a diff maybe a slightly different art style. But like after a while it's just like there's no more imagination in this for D and D is forever, you know right. you, can, you, you always make it, yeah. So it's like Minecraft, you know, like they give you the simple tools you need and then you create yeah. what you want with it. And that's yeah. what exactly. makes it so enjoyable. You know? Exactly. Hmm. That's interesting. That's why I kinda I'm not actually gonna I'm curious to see if there's I mean it that can't be a whole coloration. Like the, the video game industry collapsed because of just inflation and all like anything. Anything mm-hmm. gets too inflated, there's gonna be a correction and whatnot. But um it's interesting that this was growing during that period. Yeah. Well, the nineteen eighties also was a time of turmoil for D and D, which I'll get into in a second. Oh, okay. Um at the same time in nineteen eighty three, TSR Hobbies reorganizes into a new company, TSR incorporated so they kind of dropped the hobbies and formed a new company so whatever's going on there and then uh they released a new cartoon series called dungeons and dragons as well as a novel series called dragonlance which went on to make tsr the number one publisher of science fiction novels in the nation so this company's blowing up big like they're doing big things um but also at the same time in the 1980s there was a time of panic and hysteria for the DD brand um, as people began to link the game to satanic cults, suicide, witchcraft, pornography, <laughs> and murder. Oh um, Whoops. Some of this misunderstanding Uh-oh. was caused by a huge <laughs> misunderstanding involving a, a kid named James Egbert. Um, yeah, Thanks so it was connected to a story in 19... 19- yeah, exactly. Thanks, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it was connected to a story in 1979 of the disappearance um of a 16 year old james egbert egbert had attempted suicide in the utility tunnels beneath the campus of michigan state university after this unsuccessful attempt he hid at a friend's house for approximately a month Um, a well-publicized search for egbert began and his parents hired private investigator william Deere to seek out their son Deere knew nothing about dungeons and dragons at the time but speculated to the press that Egbert had gotten lost in the steam tunnels during a session of a live-action role-playing game. Um, (laughs) The press largely reported the story as fact, which served as the kernel of a persistent rumor regarding such steam tunnel incidents. Um, The the end of his story is sad. He actually committed suicide, blah, 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 but Mm. everyone kind of linked it to D&D. So... It kind of painted a terrible picture for it. Um, the shadow cast Dang, upon the yeah. game did not slow its growth, um, with an estimated three million plus players playing in 1981, and record sales of 750,000 units per year in 1984. However, uh, the shadow did influence the release of the next edition of the game. In 1989, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2 was re- released. 
and it had removed all references to demons and devils, sexually suggestive artwork, and even removed evil classes such as assassins and half orcs. Is that so still true on this point? today? Can you take that off? No, take fun parts. So advanced, <laughs> exactly. Uh, advanced Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons Two was released in 1989, and uh, they kind of like sanitized it, so they took out all the bad stuff that was linked to all this witchcraft and satanic cults and suicide, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it kind of lost its appeal to a lot of people, um, and TSR would go on to flounder a bit as the game was continuing to grow but they were trying to break into new avenues uh, for creativity. Uh, trading card games were exploding then, novels and uh, well, computer games. Let me ask you so, something. Was, like, the, the the kid that committed suicide was in, like, 81, you said, or 80? Yeah. So, like, so, but, they didn't, but they made this change in 89, so nine years later. Not, was there anything else that made them... Because, like, that seems like crazy. It's like, it's like, oh, you're right. Like, this is bad. We need to make a change nine years mm-hmm. later. It seems like at this point, like, people would have moved on. I mean, especially in today's day and age, people would have moved on from that story. It almost yeah. probably would have been. I feel like just well, that, that occurrence is the spark, right? Exactly. So that was kind of like the first thread of Dungeons and Dragons is bad. And I then there was you. a bunch of other instances. Like, uh, there was a girl, Patricia Poling, um, she got caught up with all this and they thought that uh she also committed suicide which was crazy Hmm. um but yeah they they accused her of like witchcraft and stuff with that like it was just a crazy mess yeah Uh, 60 minutes ran a special on it in 1985 (laughs) uh saying that it was linked to murders and suicides so like it it went all the way until they released this uh new version it's like people reporting on stuff that they don't know, you know? Yeah, yeah maybe that was just a reaction. Much. Maybe it was just oh, a reaction yeah. to all the bad press. Like, this exactly. was, like, their attempt to, like, get back at it or something. Exactly. Huh. It's like today's, yeah. you know, rap music or whatever. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. what people do just stuff like they rap don't music. understand, man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Um, hey, yeah, there's so fear in the unknown. Exactly. TSR was trying to break into trading card games, novels, and computer games. However, nothing would really stick for them, and the company was soon faced with near bankruptcy. And then entered Wizards of the Coast, which, yay! I've heard that name. <laughs> yeah. In 1997, Wizards of the Coast acquired TSR and began to work on the third edition of the ever-growing D&D. The iconic third edition released in 2000 and introduced the D20 system, which means the game systems were designed around 20-sided <clears> dice <throat> to determine outcomes in role-playing situations. Wait, what was it before that? Um, Like, six-sided die, mostly. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, so it was just like a combination of rolling and numbers, yeah. uh, six-sided die. But now they introduced the 20-sided, which uh, made the game a little bit more complex mm-hmm. and uh, flexible. Um, what it's known for now exactly that's why third edition is kind of iconic because it introduced the d20 which is like the logo of D &D. Mm &hmm. so um yeah the third edition also marked unification of both advanced and basic D&D into one game again so we kind of brought all the houses together in one makes sense Um, wizards of the coast main ideology was to make the game more streamlined and flexible to allow players more freedom and choices and it was heralded as a great success there was a significant update to the rule set rule set three years later in 2003 
which is referred to as 3.5 edition and is oftentimes referred to as the best edition of the game. Uh, by okay. 2004, it was estimated that consumers had spent more than $1 billion on D&D products and was played by more than 20 million people worldwide. So you can see how much it ramped up. Interesting. Uh, I wonder if crazy. I wonder if, if Pokemon card game had anything to do with the revitalization of D and D. Everyone was like, "Dude, Pokemon's fun." Everyone was like, "Come check out D and D. We revamped it." <laughs> also, like Magic the Gathering was. Huge. Yeah, that's true. For, for, I yeah, think that's for true. us, Wizards of the Coast were the ones who started distribution of Pokemon cards in the West. Oh, was it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes sense then, because then you would definitely. Did they advertise in Pokemon cards? Like, did I get... Would I open up a pack of Pokemon cards and come with, what, like, 11, 12 cards? I don't even remember anymore. But then maybe it has an ad card that says, come play D&D. Not to my knowledge. Did they do that then? Hmm. That would have been smart of them. To really distribute it in the U.S., you know? That didn't last super long, but... Interesting. (laughs) Interesting, interesting. Yeah, uh, just for the sake of brevity, because there is a ton of information, I'm just going to skim through some major points Okay. so that we can kind of just get the overview of it instead of going into crazy Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. Um, in 2007, the fourth edition of the game was released. So, um, yeah, so in 2000, we have the third edition. In 2007, we have the fourth edition of the game. And uh, the fourth edition tried to simplify the game even further and made drastic changes to the rules which is often looked down upon as an inferior version of the game. It was estimated that around that time, 6 million people were still actively playing the game. That's crazy. Then, in 2014, the fifth edition, we all know and love that we also all played together, um, Mm -hmm. was released after being playtested by over 75,000 playtesters. Dang, 2014? That's wild. That's that recent. Yeah, It's crazy, right? I didn't think about it, but the game is evolving. Um, seventy-five thousand players. Seventy-five thousand play testers. Wizards of the Coast was not messing around. They wanted to make sure that this game was as good as it, they wanted it to be. So the fifth edition kind of hit the sweet spot in timing and uh, saw a marked increase in sales and player base. It appeared in several pop culture instances, such as Stranger Things, uh, Big Bang Theory, Futurama. Uh, There's a ton of other TV shows. Um, Community. Uh, community, yeah. yeah I was gonna say. Yeah, that's um, the thing. D and D is so huge now that people who've never played it or considered to play it know what it is. You know exactly. Um, it was even played by huge celebrities such as Vin Diesel, Stephen Colbert did a special recently, Tim Duncan, Robin Williams. There's a ton of people that like play these games. It's crazy. I think the biggest thing for it is you know it used to be that making fun of you know the kids or guys in their mm-hmm. mom's basement. Exactly. And now it's becoming a lot more mainstream and accepted and like people are willing to talk about it out in the open and share their stuff and bring it forward. And then it's also with the internet and, you know, like, oh, yeah, role and all that. It's become popular to be doing that now. And yeah. so much school, easier to do. High me would beat up me now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, same. I think same. I think same. And just be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, yeah, so it's estimated now to have around 13.7 million active players across That's the world. That's wild. And uh, Wizards of the Coast continued to see increasing sales. As sales were up 41% in 2017 and another 52% in 2018. On That's top of that, crazy. 
Uh, it's even popular on Twitch with 9 million people watching D&D streams in 2017 mm, 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 alone. Mm, mm, mm. I have a feeling That's that is crazy. a big He's part of it. Twitch, Twitch is probably a big part of also increasing that because people watch people playing video games nowadays. Oh, yeah. That's, that's um, yeah, that's awesome. I think, I think D&D kind of lends itself perfectly to really well because it's like content, yeah. you're, you're getting a full story you know like it's not just a video game from someone's perspective yeah yeah and like you know? you're watching someone play a game like if it's a game you've already played you know what's about to happen yeah with like D, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen every time and then the just the amount of randomness and then the creativity behind it like there's exactly so much possibility behind that for yourself to do it or just watch someone else's campaign and it's just as enjoyable Right, like you I feel like I'm part of the people's characters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just finished Critical Role season one. I'm on season two now. Man. Yeah, even <laughs> even Rooster even... did it for a while too. They had a show going. For their yeah, time. man. What was uh What was Cunt's first name? Um. Cunty Cunty Cunts. I think Cunt. Robert Cunts. I'm just looking because. Uh, Mm-hmm. I'm just looking up the length of Critical Role uh, Season 1. Oh, that's a good question. It's probably pretty beefy. 373 hours and 22 minutes of pure gameplay. Oh, Ooh, that's crazy. 373 hours and 22 minutes of pure gameplay. That's how long Season 1 was. And I listened Damn. to all About of that. About 15 and a half days you've listened Dude, to that. Is- Insane. Not gonna lie, like <laughs> I was so into it. Like you get so attached to all of these characters, it's crazy. Like I have to listen oh to it. I, I, I definitely Dude, it's enjoy so it, good. Sure. Like it takes a little bit to get into. You're gonna be like, oh my gosh, this is so stupid. I'm sure but, like, it starts <laughs> slow, but once it towards starts, the end, like yeah. I was getting like misty eyed and like I was like <laughs> laughing in my car and like oh, that's it's, awesome. It's so good. Um, but yeah, all in all, it's safe to say that D&D has become a cultural mainstay and continues to grow more and more popular um, with the likes of Critical Role, The Adventure Zone, Matt Colville, and all of, the, of that gang. Um, so hopefully I didn't ramble on too much and that this kind of made you guys want to play a little bit more. And uh, I myself have played for over a year now. And a few months ago, I tried my hand at DMing. And I would love to get a game together soon with everyone. If you're listening to this podcast, give me a shout out. Dude, I definitely 100% want to get back into that. But what I what I want to point out uh, is to kind of like give uh, a little bit of the sad stories of the endings of some of these guys. Um, Gary Gygax died in 2008. Uh, He had a net worth of about five million dollars, which seems low. Um, That's not bad for. A couple of board games. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Playing a couple of board games. Um, but Gary died from an aneurysm, um, yeah. which the way he's getting up and wow. yelling like seems uh, yeah. particular. Dave Arneson, when I tried to look at his net worth, it said he didn't have one, but he died in 2009 from cancer. So sounds like he kind of had a rough life after. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, yeah. but. I mean, it's and hard. Then, what else do you do from there? And then the survivor up. from the beginning uh robert cunts who uh <laughs> looks like looks like he shouldn't have money but he does and actually more than the rest of them his current net worth net worth is about 25 million dollars as of this year yeah so is he, he himself is he like still running 
is D like who is with D and D now? With with uh, the other ones that died, is it like that's, it's a different uh, group now under Wizards of the Coast? But so yeah, with Wizards like, of the Coast, it's just like uh, they just acquired it, basically, yeah, and yeah, they're they, now it's they, mentioned it. they had acquired the company. Oh, okay. Along so the rights to D and D. Gotcha, gotcha. But like they have different people now uh, contributing to developing the game and stuff, so it's no longer just them. But okay. uh, yeah, I think Kunst does like a bunch of different game design stuff for different companies, and he makes like little entries into the series with hardcover books and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's the craziest thing is it's not like D and D is the most well known, but it's not just D and D anymore. You know, there's right so many different games you can play. Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, there's a bunch. Uh, That's some crazy yeah, that's stuff. That's kind of my whole spiel. It's uh, interesting. Whenever I play this game, I love it. I absolutely love this game. I, the short little run we did just to test it out, and we, we were laughing the whole time. Oh my god, yeah, it's so fun. It, it's just difficult, like carving out time to play yeah. with everyone. Yeah. Everyone's schedule is like as much as. Yeah, and as much as like the way you were saying it, um, where uh, it's fun to have these like long stories that are gonna last for a while, but I think to make it more digestible and to get more people in, um, because you're trying to bring like I remember originally we were trying to get a bunch of people in. It was mm-hmm. gonna be coming on every Sunday or whatever, and just not everyone would make it, and then someone else would have to control their character. If it was a standalone story for each playthrough, so even if it was like four hours, but it was digestible. We can do that. Yeah. At least then, oh, yeah. like coming in, like it makes it. It's like, oh, I missed one, but now I have to come back in. Like now, you can just come in. And I think it, I think it's a good idea. I'm excited. Yeah, to no, jump back for in. sure. I would, I would love to like try my hand at DMing a couple one shots. Uh, that's what it's called. Like when you just do like the one standoff story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was actually the goal that I was heading towards. Like we just didn't make it through the tutorial that was set up. <laughs> so like you kind of go through the tutorial, it teaches you how to do combat and like social encounters and adventuring and stuff like that. And then you get to like the main hub town and you can choose to go wherever. So then yeah. I could just create adventures based off who's playing and like where you're going. So. so typically I won't like spitball ideas in the middle of a podcast, but like since we're all here and like talking about this, um, that would be something kind of cool to do also um, if we do start that up again to live record it and do it uh, like do on Mixer or Twitch or something mm-hmm. of Hell a live yeah. recording of us doing like a session like that. So I would love to do that. That's, that like, might be that's something my we dream can do. to do that. So. Yeah. It just works crazy right now, so I can't really write anything. Dude, same, same. Eventually, I just, I, eventually we'll get there. Work and life has just been out. out of control. I'm waiting for the end of the year. That's crazy. Yeah. If you look in the background. What? What (laughs) What's what's happening? All right. right, I'm going to narrate for those on the audio. Sean is walking to the back of his room. He's searching through a pile of books. He comes back. He's got a big Trinity on me. Oh, he got the Holy Trinity on deck. He got the Master Guides (laughs) on on deck <laughs> he now rolls a d20 die i got sean has books. now stepped back to the mic he's here to talk i am hey. done with my I got all them books oh yes, player player <laughs> By oh the way, these books are incredible like the artwork in them and stuff is just it looks amazing. super nice yeah yeah they're really nice 
off topic from D and D though, but also a pitch towards the podcast. Um, GameStop is probably going to die by <laughs> this time next year because today, which I don't know when you're going to exactly hear this podcast, but as of today, September 25th. Um, oh, you're dating us. No. It's okay. Oh, no. It's okay. No, I'm no, but uh, PlayStation has announced that they're going to start selling their hardware direct with free one-day shipping on their stuff. It's a very strong possibility that they may sell, like, the PlayStation 5, just be like, fuck all these other, fuck Amazon, fuck GameStop, everyone, we're going to sell direct to you. You get a discount plus special offers, and people are going to, like, this next-gen console, people might be buying a majority of the PlayStation 5s from Sony Direct. Crazy ambitious, but, like, I'm down for that. Dude, the thing Sony is, though, is it's like making power one moves. day shipping. Though that's ambitious, bro. If for if real. Sony if Sony does that, and like a lot of people, and you get a bunch of people on board to buy the next gen console from there, GameStop's dead in the water. Like they're banking oh, yeah. to bankroll right now for the next generation of consoles to come through, and everyone go back and buying the consoles because console sales is the well, biggest yeah, thing. Selling back their old ones and doing the pawn shop. Dude, if pawn Sony shop, yeah. if Sony does it, because like. GameStop can't do that many more deals anymore. And so they're right, going to make it the uh, best place to buy. And, ooh. That's going to piss off a lot of retailers, though. A lot of retailers. Really? But, yeah, mm, yeah not, not just GameStop. Like, there's going to be a lot not so yeah. happy. I wouldn't mess with there. Amazon's nut. They're going to go crazy. Or, or Target, too. <laughs> that's fine. Oh, yeah. Well, I think Amazon would be able to match whatever deal that Sony's given them. I mean, because yeah. I mean, still, it's it's Amazon. So so well, Sony knows it, damn well that their majority of people are gonna buy if they're gonna buy we online. They'll be Google Amazon. Google Stadia still. is gonna kill everything, right? So what's it matter? That is true. You got what's good, Google Stadia again? Is that? <laughs> I don't uh, know. I just I just heard the name once. That too soon. Too soon. Definitely. See, it's all is. about Apple Arcade. New expansion for Anthem. Apple Arcade. <laughs> No, man, Yo, so, Google Play Arcade's here too, bro. So I was messing around with uh, Apple Arcade, and I was seeing what was on there. Yo, they got Cat Quest 2 on there. And if you never played Cat yeah, Quest 1, Cat Quest 1 is a fantastic game. I think it was like, I think it's like $4.99, right? And it's just, I played it, had a blast with that game, beat it. It was like one of the better mobile games I've ever played. But they got Cat Quest 2 on there. Everyone else talking about Ocean Horn. Soccer. Oh, you didn't hear? Slime Slime Soccer got bought out by EA. They're going to re-release it <laughs> next year as we cram no. chock full of no microtransactions. No one owns Slime Soccer, bro. No one owns Slime Soccer here. It's free for the people. Not anymore. Hey, Not anymore, EA. Is Flash Player dying? <laughs> Is Adobe Flash Player dying? Probably. I thought it's been dying for a while. Well, it's been dying, but I think it's going to be like officially dead pretty soon. I mean, the only t- the only time we see Flash, whatever, is when it needs to be updated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or it's being blocked. You know, yeah. did you see Oceanhorn Two is on there on the? It's an yeah, that's what I was saying. Like everyone's saying, like talking about Oceanhorn. I'm like, I was looking on. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Cat Quest Two, fuck with me. <laughs> I'll have to check that. Snap. Uh, and speaking of games on mobile, Mario Kart sucks ass. Oh, <laughs> yikes, <Not good>. dude. <laughs> Did, wait, was Bad. it released again? Didn't they take it off 
to fix it up and now they released it again or well they did like a beta test and it's like the same crappy game it's a pay to win mess so hmm. bro the game doesn't even the game doesn't even have luigi yeah it's like they, they have alternate like mario and peach and bowser costumes but they don't have luigi why it's, it's a or two lap luigi yeah, it's a two-lap race. You can't really steer very well. You just automatically drive. It's not good. I don't know. Jesus, what yeah. the? Yeah, I'm like, why did y'all bother? With. Yeah. You, you could have uploaded, like, Mario Kart 64 and just done nothing to it, and I would have paid five bucks and played it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, I honestly think it's because um, Nintendo is a product of their environment. Um like, obviously, there's, like, a certain standard of, like, games, and you're paying $60 for it that you know you can only do, like, all this stuff. But at the same time, a bunch of the slimy practices of mobile games are Japanese games that'll come out and stuff. And, like, Nintendo is probably out there making a game, and this is a norm, and they're trying to cut back from the norm there. But in America, we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why do I have to spend $5 every two minutes on a game? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's yeah. pretty bad. It's weird because, like, Nintendo, like, just a couple months ago had released, like, that statement. They're like, so we're going to try and, like, not be as bad with our mobile games. Like, we don't want to monetize them that much. Like, trying to be the good guy. And then, like, a lot of the things they've done on mobile since have been pretty egregious. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to give them props for Animal Crossing. They've reverted a lot of their stuff and made it less like where you have to buy all the time i mean i've never spent a dime on it but yeah they fixed some of that stuff where you're getting more items you're not you don't feel like you have to pay money to do anything in the game yeah oh, that's yeah. nice uh you guys want to do a couple questions before we uh, get out of here tonight yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay if animals could talk which animal would be the rudest hmm? geese oh Geese, that's a good one. You think geese would? Geese. Oh. Yeah, geese yeah. are dicks. I've already talked about this once. <laughs> I think yeah, it would. I agree with you. Oh, yeah. They're assholes. And I did like the little auto tune song, like, fuck geese. Whatever. <laughs> and their <laughs> teeth are disgust or whatever the fuck Speaking those things are in their bill. I need to go play Untitled Goose Game on the Switch because I think it would be hilarious and amazing. <laughs> I have a feeling it would be like raccoons. I think raccoons would be the biggest dick. Oh, what it's you eating here, Playboy? Yo, let me get that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, let me snatch that real quick. Yo, is that a sandwich? That look good as hell. Let me get that. <laughs> uh, you don't want these rabies, do you? But give me that sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> give me that, okay, in Texas, I guess I'll do armadillo since that's native. Armadillos, bro. They seem so sweet. Only time I ever see armadillos here in Kansas is when it's roadkill. It's the only time I ever well, see them. What you got against armadillos, man? They're I, would, I would say squirrels. Squirrels are annoying as fuck. Because <laughs> they can give you, they can give humans a disease, I think, or something. Yeah. Like, armadillos or squirrels? And they roll, oh. and they're, and they're cool. The rage virus. I think they get you Lyme disease. Um, yeah, but I see them as dead uh, roadkill all the time over here, too. Hmm, I like armadillos, man. I don't know about that one. That's what might be interesting. We all agree on that. So that's all yeah, that is true. All, all right, next, all right. Next question. Let's go. Okay, what's something that is really popular now, but in five years everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by? Fortnite. Uh, slow fees. 
from Slofies. I'll never be embarrassed by Fortnite. I I will disagree with that. I enjoyed my time with it. But No, I'm already embarrassed about my Fortnite career. Slofies are a slow motion selfie that Apple made up this word and tried to patent it or something or trademark it. Because the front facing camera can do 60 frames per second. Like, yeah, nobody needs that. I think it's going to be vaping. Oh, yeah. After this month, it's officially illegal to sell them in Michigan. That was short-lived. Yeah, Yeah, all the little ways they have about six days left until they can't vape in my state anymore. (laughs) They're all, like, loading up on... Yeah, dude, they're freaking out. It's hilarious. I love it. You know, I was watching a skit on Portlandia, and they were, like, trying to get a vape shop going, and these people came in, they're like, no, no, this carpet's too nice. It needs to be really shitty. Something that'll absorb all the <laughs> Bro, smell. Even, even the CEO yeah. of Google really himself, man. He stepped down today. Who, I mean... The CEO of Jewel, the Jewel Pods, he stepped down today. No kidding. Wow. He yeah. probably saw it dying in the water. I mean, it's dumb. I mean, here's the, here's the fucked up thing. It's like everyone knows that you, you get cancer from smoking cigarettes and... Uh, and everyone knows it can kill you, but people still do it anyway. Like, vaping has just been just around not long enough. I don't think there's a... There's probably a good amount of people that are out there vaping, but not nearly as many that are smoking cigarettes. And it's already Uh, killed, like, six people in a short amount of time. I kid you not, like, over 50% people around my age, like, younger, like, college, these kids are just vaping constantly like all of them even if they don't so use dumb. tobacco in it they just vape to vape so oh, that's kind of cool or it's weed pen <laughs> everyone has a weed pen it's it's weird man i don't yeah. know i've seen yeah, the weed pen i don't think there I needs mean, to like, be more research i understand if you legit are like trying to quit but i feel like half the people who are doing it are just doing it so they look cool then you can blow an obnoxious cloud of smoke in my face the well, weird I read thing? an article that people are using cigarettes to get off of vaping. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? I think that was satire. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. No, no, I think I saw that on a not the onion on a Reddit. Oh like, god. Oh man. Onion is gold. This is America. Real oh. stuff. Yeah. Don't get it twisted now. America. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yep, so we, weed's legal in Michigan now, but you, you can't smoke vapes. <laughs> Look what I'm vaping, though. <laughs> what a time to be alive, boys. You know what I'm saying? Um, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Let me look at this. Um, Uh, that would be a good oh, one, but I don't think smart. anyone would have any. I don't think anyone would have any answers for this because I don't. Hmm. <laughs> it smiles, scary. Old dragon. Yo, oh, that's shit. cool. That's, that's that's my character. I'm gonna be a cool gold dragon. Um, where I had this one here. Where'd it go? If you could kill off any character from a current TV show. Who would it be and why? From a current huh. Um, I would say. Well, can we consider Khaleesi? Her? Is that too soon? Oh. Too soon? <laughs> I feel like it's completed though. It's not current anymore. <laughs> I know. Current. 
Um, I have shows that are like running right now that I'm watching. Uh, Disenchantment just came out, but I ain't got any of them. That one's too easy. I guess you could kill Alpha for the fun of it. <laughs> um, I think I would. I think I would kill Tom Brady in the show uh, NFL Football Sundays. Oh yes, a man is a team. Right, I'm, I'm gonna second that one. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. I love Tom Brady. You're an excellent quarterback, but get the fuck out of here. It's Chiefs time. Retire already, Jesus. Go Lions, right guys? Retire. Right. Dexter and kill the two kids. Because those kids are annoying as fuck. And, and Dexter. Three or four. You remember? I don't think I got that far. Mm-hmm. I, I saw characters. Get out of here. Dude, like right after Trinity. Oh, yeah. I know you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That made me stop watching. Even Dexter. South Park tonight. But I don't Dexter ended horribly. Anymore, so Is it really? I still need to finish last season. Or Carl in The Walking Dead. Like season two and three. Carl. <laughs> oh, well. I won't he's, spoil he's it for you then. The reason I stopped watching. <laughs> I just couldn't deal with him anymore. Uh, in a oh, current God. show. But unfortunately, the rest of the show didn't. So. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. Have any of you guys actually finished Walking Dead? Or like, Dude, I, I've seen, I've seen I'm two all episodes. caught up. That's it. I'm You're all caught, caught up. up? Mm-hmm. For real? I, I fell off super I binged hard. it. Started catching up again and then fell off super hard again when I ran out of episodes. It feels like between, um, is I fell or is it still going? So I fell off uh two or three years ago when like they were still fighting Negan and then like Carl got bit and it was like the mid season finale and then uh there was I was behind. Uh, season and a half, uh, or maybe two and a half. No, I was behind a season and a half, and I got, I just kind of binged through it and watched it all and got all caught up. And it's just like a completely different show. And there's a bunch of new characters and a bunch of old characters that are gone. And it's just like I don't, I just do yeah, not care. I lost interest, man. Yeah, but it wasn't even so much like new characters, like changing new characters. It was like characters going through the same loop of like hmm. character arcs. Like, they this... regress super hard and have to go through the same advancement, like, character story that they had already done. Or they'll yeah. just kill them off. And then, like, you just get to a point where you're like, there can't be that many just awful people in the world. Yeah. <laughs> even, well, the the next season... Apocalypse, like, come on. The next people season will be the last bad. season because uh, Robert Kirkman uh, finished the, the series. He, like, he, okay. he, like, pranked it uh, he was like, there's going to be three more uh, comics left. And then the next comic he released was actually the last one. And everyone was like heartbroken and all this stuff. But yeah, the, the show's going to end next but season. The, I mean, obviously it's semi falls, but doesn't the show kind of veer off from it pretty hard? Mm, yeah, in a sense, but they're still very like, real. I mean, I mean, it's very like the iconic, very related big whatnot, iconic but... uh Things that happen in the comics yeah. happen in the show, even if it's oh, with different sure. characters. Okay. So, like the yeah, event it itself like will still different. happen, but it might be different characters. Um, I, I want to get back into it and like finish it, just because I'm so committed into it. But like, I don't hey, know, man. Like, you could do worse of... on Netflix. I watched that Island show, and that was just a <laughs> steaming hot pile of garbage. 
Dude, American Horror Story this year is sick. The uh, Apocalypse one? No, this one's like uh, 1984, it's called. Oh. But it's like uh, old school slasher style. It's oh, that's sick. Fun. It's really good. Is it going on right now? Yeah, today was the second episode. Dang, okay, I need to go back and watch it. Dude, so I always fun. get behind on those. So I haven't watched any of that. I keep having people recommend it for me. And I go... Yeah, I probably would like that, and then I just never watch. <laughs> Depending on your preference, like, arguably the show peaked at Asylum, but yeah. I yeah. still enjoy like each, each seasons, seasons here and there. But some yeah. seasons are like, oof, this would just suck. Yeah, it's like an anthology, so like some of them yeah, are loosely related. Jump but not... one of those crazies where I feel like I have to start from the beginning anyways, regardless. Like I, I have to. I That's can't what I it. do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I'm gonna do one more real quick. No follow up afterwards or explain your reason why, and then we'll <laughs> wrap this up. But I just need, I just need your one answer, and then we'll just we'll talk about it next week. I finally right. woke okay. up after. Like, what's the podcast. What's the best type of cheese? Swiss. Oh, Ew. Man. What? Mozzarella. No follow up. <laughs> oh, sharp, sharp cheddar. Smoked gouda. Oh, mozzarella. I'm sticking with it. Oh, the old moots. The old moots. The old moots. But, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the <laughs> wordest of the. <laughs> this has been the wordest and earnest podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We love you. Please you review us. Head cheese? Yeah. That sound. <laughs> Stay nerdy, friends. Perfect.